This is Supernet Radio. My name is Juan Gaut, and uh, we have a very special show today. We're going to be talking on covering a lot of topics. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and uh, I mean, we'll keep it. We'll keep it. Um, we'll keep it um, consumable. We're going to be talking about the the Silk Road trial, uh, Ross Ross Albridge, and um, the free market uh, application on top of NXT, which is a decentralized eBay application um, that is fairly um, close to this topic. We have one of the one of the developers, uh, Mr. Knuckle. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting show, and and we're going to also going to touch on on the war on drugs and basically try to cover a, a general view of this topic. Um, so, without further ado, I'd like to introduce um, Mr. Knuckle. Um, he's, uh, as I said, one of the developers. And um, why don't you um, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, how long have you been working on um, on the free market application? Tell us a little bit about about what it is. I'd be happy to. Thanks, Juan, for having me. Um, I've been working on free market for about seven months, I think. Uh, we are a fairly small team, two main developers, and we have uh, some help from time to time from other people. Uh, so I was only introduced to Next around December of 2013, and I started hanging around the uh, the next forum, and I, I say next instead of next day. I don't know why. Um, and uh, I was just uh, waiting for some way to contribute, and somebody suggested that we could use a marketplace. So I uh, came up with a mock-up and started working on it. Excellent. And uh, the free market, uh, of course, uh, it, it's, it's a very revolutionary technology. Um, I, from my understanding, it's a bit described as a decentralized eBay. Uh, I believe it runs all on top of the NXT blockchain. It's similar to OpenBazaar, but different in a few ways. Tell us a little bit about it, maybe uh, what makes it different than other platforms out there. The technology is uh, really very interesting. Um, if you're familiar with uh, eBay, then you already have an idea of of what the market is like or what it's aiming to be. Um, but the way it's built inside is very challenging, but also very uh, fascinating. Like you said, it is based on the blockchain. And the, the, the use of the blockchain unlocks a lot of potential on, on the tech side, but it's, it's honestly a bit weird to work with and thinking in terms of the blockchain can be difficult um, so we're adding features as we build it uh, I don't think this has been done before so it's never obvious to us what we should do next or, or how to do it uh, so it's been a, a, a learning experience too um, <clears throat> what we use is the arbitrary message system built into Next. Uh, so every, every listing is an arbitrary message, and that message gets placed on the blockchain. And a user 
who has the free market client, the client searches the blockchain on the user's local machine for all the listings of items that are placed in the market and items that are still available that haven't been purchased get shown to the user and the user can purchase them through the client and the payment will come directly from the user's next wallet and be sent to the seller. And that's, that will create another automated message that will tell the client that the item is sold. So it's not like a database where you can have one record for an item and it can be either available or sold. They have to be, there have to be two separate arbitrary messages because we cannot rewrite the blockchain. Uh, so that is technically challenging, but the, the advantage is that you cannot shut it down. The market, a copy of the market exists on the hard drive of every user of Next. That is very, very interesting. And it's, it's of course, um, decentralized. Um, I think you explained it fairly well, uh, very well. And um, how are you going to deal with, um, you know, since it is peer-to-peer -peer and anybody could essentially host anything on this, on this like, like they could sell anything on this platform, like how are you going to deal with, are there any items that you're going to be blacklisting if you can do that at all? How are you going to deal with those sort of, that, that uh, the more controversial or, um, you know, items that, that, that could go on, on the platform that might even be illegal, of course. Um, do you guys touch that at all or do you just, you know, how do you deal with that problem? Well, you have raised a, a very difficult issue because, of course, anybody can write to the blockchain. Um, and once that's done, we cannot censor that. We cannot directly edit the blockchain to remove that listing. Uh, one of the things we do have in development is a system where the user has control over blacklisting. Um, it's not finalized, but the way it should work is a user will be able to turn on or off blacklisting and the blacklist itself can be maintained by anyone. So for instance, you could maintain a blacklist of your own and allow other people to subscribe to that blacklist and they will not see the products that you have or not just products but uh, sellers and all the products from that seller that you have blacklisted. Uh, so the solution is to leave control over editing or censoring the information that is seen in the hands of the user. Uh, because it is decentralized, not only is it not something we don't want to do, it's also something we cannot do. It's just not technically possible because of the nature of the blockchain. So as we add features, this is, this is one of the features uh, that will come up in, a, in an upcoming release. I'm very excited about that. I think that is one of the, one of the most innovative approaches to the problem of reputation, especially on a peer-to-peer -peer 
network that I've heard of. Um, of course, one of the one of the problems with reputation systems is that if the standards by which you judge players that are valid or invalid are kind of centrally controlled, centrally planned, you know, then um, then you end up getting sort of you know people are unhappy with it, and there's a lot of conflict, right? So this you know there's going to be some people upset by the fact that any goods are going to be traded on free market. But it really is up to the users, and I think that is a very fair approach. Yeah, that is that is I, very I very exciting. I agree with you. I think that is really the right approach. People should have that responsibility for themselves. It should not be incumbent on some higher power, if you will, to tell you what you can and cannot see. Yes, and and that's that's one of the reasons why I think. Um, well, one of the things that unite a lot of us that care about this this uh, this topic, free markets and the Silk Road trial and and everything that's happening um, around the the freedom of exchange of goods, you know, uh, non-violent crimes, you know, whatever you want to, or however you want to put it. And um, so I guess that, that that brings me into something that I wanted to ask you: Why why did you decide to work on this particular sort of piece of software or like this kind of this 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 line of work essentially out of all the other software products that you probably could have developed. I mean, you're of course you're very very talented and skilled individual. So that's a question I, I ask myself too. Part, <laughs> big question. Partly, you know, partly it was because um, it was suggested in the forum, and uh, considering my own set of skills, I thought this is something I can do. But there were other projects I saw that I also thought I could do. And I picked this one because it's something that I believe very strongly in. I don't think um, peaceful transactions between individuals should be regulated by the state or by anybody. Um, and that's, uh, that's what these are. These are peaceful transactions. Buying and selling things should not be a crime, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that, and th th that brings us to something that uh, a few um, a few people have brought up. Uh, some some um, NXT community members have kind of complained that um, you know why are we associating Silk Road and free market uh, that they're different things? And I definitely I definitely agree that they are different things. Um, certainly, can you tell us a bit about sort of like there's. From what I can tell, there's no real limitation as to what you can trade in the free market, whereas the Silk Road was a much more sort of focused um, exchange platform. You know, it's it's mostly drugs, and it was centralized after all. Dred um, Hire Roberts, whoever he was, actually didn't allow the exchange of guns or, or child pornography or anything like that on the exchange. So it was, it was centralized, and it was a very sort of... Um, filtered sort of by his ideology, of course, I'm sure, um, you know, free market works in different ways. And, um, and that means that anything could be exchanged, right? Like anything that is on eBay could be on the free market. So maybe you can help us sort of break that association because I imagine that people will hear about a decentralized exchange that is in the web and it's probably going to be protected by a layer of anonymity that's being built on top of uh, SuperNet and, and and so I, I just I, I have a I have a, a prediction and maybe I'll be wrong, but I have a, a pretty I would put money on the mainstream media um, 
basically slandering and, and, and throwing um, false claims about, about the free market and all the stuff that we're building once people start realizing how powerful this technology is. And they're going to start associated with all this criminal activity or whatever. So I think that I wanted to sort of maybe um, expand this and sort of show how it's different. Great. I, I appreciate that you've done that. Um, you're right. Uh, I believe the, uh, the mainstream media, because they want sensational stories, are likely to pick up on something like free market and spin it as a drug, gun, um, marketplace. Uh, Silk Road, I think, consciously, they presented themselves as a marketplace for illegal goods. You could get books and trinkets, t-shirts, things like that. But for the most part, people who went there knew what was for sale, and, and that was part of the appeal of the market. We, with free market, are not positioning ourselves as a drug marketplace. Um, but it's usually what I get asked about um, because it is sensational. The design of free market and the fact that it uses an uneditable blockchain does mean that if someone wants to sell drugs, free market would be a an appealing avenue to do that. But we are not positioning ourselves as a drug marketplace. Um, I would rather see free market grow to be a competitor to eBay. Um, yes, as you mentioned, anonymity and privacy are I believe a, a selling feature of free market, but it's not the only thing that we offer. Our fees, for instance, are much, much lower than eBay. eBay, of course, takes a percentage of uh, sale price, I believe. Uh, free market, on the other hand, charges only for a listing. We take no cut of your sale price and the listing fee itself is very low. Alone, I think, is a huge selling point and something that puts us in competition with eBay rather than Silk Road or the versions of Silk Road that have popped up since Silk Road was shut down. Mm. Excellent. And is, is the front end to free market, um, the free market application, is that going to be um, open source? Like, can anybody sort of clone it? Can people sort of review it? Or is it going to be, um, how does that work? Eventually, we do want the uh, entire application to be open. Right now, there are three main components, and two of them are open. Uh, there is the something called WebView, which is the sort of wrapper for free market that lets it run on a Mac or a PC. Uh, that is open source right now. The front end of the client is, it's not open source in the sense that we're not taking contributions from anybody, but the source is completely available. If you download the free market application, 
you can open up and look at the HTML, and that's what it is, HTML and JavaScript and CSS. So it's completely editable. You can cut and paste and use it any way you want. The third component is something called NextPass or NXT Pass. That right now is a Java application. And because we plan to reproduce NextPass completely using JavaScript, we probably will not make that open source until we've made that transition. And at that point, it'll be just as open as the HTML and existing JavaScript is right now. So to make a long answer short, we are not open source now, but we are moving in that direction. Excellent. Is, is there anything else you'd like to add to that uh, before we maybe move on to the, to the Silk Road trial and, and how it's uh, relevant? Well, I'll just add that uh, unlike a lot of um, other options out there that are being developed, free market is available now. You can download it and post an item. Uh, I think uh, a selling point that's, that's important to me is our emphasis on not making free market an English language centric product. Uh, the current version is available in 11 languages and the next release will be at least 12 languages. We have 12 in the development version and if I can add more before we release it, I will do it. So That's very powerful, very powerful technology, very wide um, scope that will reach and um, it's a fantastic application. Um, it will it will be accessible through the SuperNet client as well, and it will be integrated with uh, Bitcoin Dark and, and all the other coins. Is that right? That is correct. SuperNet integration is coming. <clears throat> the next version uh, also includes integration with a another product from our team called Concord, which is an escrow system. Now, this escrow system is not specific to free market, and this is a completely open product right now. And we have integrated Concord with free market, so the next release will allow the use of escrow providers. And that, along with buyer and seller reputation, are, those are the two most requested features that we've had recently. So the next version will solve the problem of escrow, and then we will move on to developing a reputation and feedback system. Fantastic. And I believe that the escrow system is going to be, it's going to have, or at least need its reputation system. Uh, it's going to be, you know, you're going to go find, you're going to have, it's going to be centralized per se, but not really, like people are going to have to go find a, a, an escrow provider that they trust, uh, sort of like it's done with Bitcoin. In Bitcoin, there's one particular escrow provider called Anon123 or 136, I believe. And he has moved probably millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrencies by being a trusted escrow provider. So I expect something like this to emerge. He might join the free market application and sort of the escrow system with Concord. 
um, will you guys be touching sort of a, a reputation system for escrow providers as well, or would that be a third-party application problem for the for the, for the foreseeable future? Right now, I believe we will focus on uh, uh, feedback and reputation within free market itself. Um, reputation for escrow providers might be something that we can present to users within the free market uh, client to help them pick an escrow provider, but the escrow is not provided by the free market team, and so users should expect to do some due diligence on their escrow provider, the one that they pick. And I expect that, as with Bitcoin, you will see some escrow providers become the default choices because of their standing in the community, their history of providing reliable service. Excellent. Um, all right, so we'll move on to the, the Silk Road trial. And um, this is a very important trial uh, for a lot of reasons. One of them in particular that has really stuck out to me is that this could be the first trial in history where a software developer gets criminally like criminally prosecuted for the behavior of of um of users on top of the platform that he developed on top of the website that he developed um one one quote by a professor um nicholas christine i believe from university he's an engineer professor from university carney mellon not sure uh, he says the Silk Road didn't really sell drugs. It sells insurance and financial products. It doesn't really matter whether you're selling the t-shirt or cocaine. The business model is to commoditize security, and I think that that is I me. Mean, that is what Silk Road was doing, what you were doing, and 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 you know, Open Bazaar and other platforms of this sort, and eBay and Amazon are really doing. Um, but people could potentially, uh, I mean, if Ross gets prosecuted. The way that the way that it works is that if there's a precedent, a legal precedent, that say that somebody gets 60 years or 30 years for committing a some sort of violating some sort of law, and um, then when when somebody gets caught for violating that same law, um, the police or, or or some sort of prosecution lawyer. Again, I'm not a lawyer, right? So this is my rough understanding. But from what I gather, they'll come to the the, the individual and tell them, listen. You can either plead guilty, give you a year, and then you 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 tell us, you give us information about you know, deeper dealings of this of this uh, operation. Let's say they're they're, they're doing a, a drug, they're trying to, try to crack down on some sort of drug uh, mafia or something, right? Or we'll take you to court, and you're very likely to take to have 60 years, right? And most people end up pleading guilty just to avoid the the risk of of losing the rest of their lives to to a claim that A is ethically questionable to be to be punishable and B least and, and B um, you know they might not even be guilty of. So um, it's yeah. uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty horrendous uh, way that it works. You have identified uh, one of the worst features of our system uh, or the system in the United States. Um, it's usually called the uh, sacking charges, and what they do is exactly what you said. They'll tell a defendant, we are going to get you on X charge, and 
every time you did it, we're going to count. And we're also going to add in these other things, even if we know you didn't do it, because we want a possible worst case outcome. We want that outcome to be so scary, you will admit to doing something even if you didn't do it. And I think a lot of people do plead guilty to things that they haven't done because it's rational, because they can spend, for sure, maybe one year in jail or on probation, or maybe go to jail for the rest of their lives. And prosecutors do not care if you did it or not. Prosecutors want another head on their walls. That's what they do. And they get paid very well to prosecute and to, and to be, I mean, lawyers make ridiculous amounts of money um, and the, I mean, the complexity of the legal system is kind of a a way for lawyers to make money, essentially, right? So I think, um, I mean, there are you know defense lawyers that are that are legit, but even them charge a lot of money. I mean, uh, I believe Ross's uh, lawyer, you know, he's doing a great job, uh, but they're charging thirty five is distributed. So I don't want to say that it's the defender that is charging this. I'm not sure how this kind of business or sort of side of the world works, but the costs to the family are about $35,000 a week. I mean, who can handle that kind of cost? They've had to raise a lot of money, and if you can please donate to them, that would be fantastic. Uh, FreeRoss.com, um, I believe, is a website. I think it's uh, So it is it's very expensive to be part of Okay, freeross.org, right? Yeah, and and I agree. And, um, anybody so it is who's very listening, I'm sorry, it, because of the delay, we're talking over each other. I was just saying that uh, I agree. Anybody who's listening uh, and who cares about these issues should donate to his legal defense fund. You said you have. I certainly have, and I would encourage people to do it because trying to defend yourself in our system is financially ruinous to everybody except the most wealthy people and he's he's really getting a a raw deal here um cops cops have a saying they say you can beat the rap but you can't beat the ride and what they mean is maybe you will be found innocent and you'll be very happy and you'll celebrate let's say that happens to ross Great, but he also just spent 11 months in prison, and his family will be broke after this. Um, so being put through our legal system is a punishment in its own right. Even if he's found guilty, I mean, excuse me, even if he's found innocent, he's already paid a huge price. So... Any help that uh, listeners can give, I would encourage. Absolutely, and, and everybody pays a, a big price. I mean, the family, just anybody that donates, right? That, that's a lot of wealth that just essentially gets distributed, redistributed um, through a threat of, of basically ending the life of this this um, this uh, this man, this young man, and um, and it's it's horrendous. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Well. There are, there are a, a couple ways of, of looking at 
the trial. Uh, one is just looking at, at it from a legal point of view, and a lot of what is happening is very, very questionable. Then you can look at it from an ideological point of view and ask yourself, why is he being prosecuted at all? We're talking about victimless mm -hmm. crimes here. And when I say victimless, I mean that very literally. Just ask yourself, when are they going to put the victim on the stand? They're not going to, because there is no yeah. victim. No one's rights were violated. No one complained. No one called the cops. Everything that... And, and I'm not saying that he did it, but everything that the Dread Pirate Roberts did was peaceful. And now I am ignoring intentionally the rumors of murder for hire because he's not even charged with that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that is an excellent distinction. And I definitely want to talk about both of those issues. Uh, before we talk about the idea biological side of things and, and the foundations of, you know, the war on drugs and, 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 and everything, everything that he's being charged for, um, you know, the, what is underneath that people really don't seem to talk about that much. You know, everybody kind of knows that the war on drugs is a big mess. Nobody really seems to bring it up. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of talk about money laundering, but nobody talks about how, you know, there is no real moral foundation to any of that. So I want to talk about that. But before we, we talk about that, I'd like us to sort of go through, uh, just update people on the trial, whoever hasn't been up to date with what's happening with Ross. Um, I'd like to sort of cover some of the, the basic, um, basic things that have been going on. So, I mean, it is, um, I mean, I think everybody knows that, or a lot of people have, may have heard that there has been a, a few very weird and uh, arguably unjust uh, sort of preparation for this trial. Um, it appears that the defense didn't get a chance to, to see or, or, or see the witness list that the prosecution was going to bring forth about a, until a week, no, three days, I believe, uh, Friday before the, you know, three days before the trial began. Uh, because of fear that uh, Russ would, uh, you know, have been murdered, and this justification comes out of an unfounded um, claim that the I believe it's the CIA or is it the FBI that has been they've been saying that um, there's some kind of evidence that uh, that that Dread Pirate Roberts put out hits on about five people within the community uh, of uh, Silk Road, and this was this 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 was said by by uh, this was put out in the media soon after the Silk Road one uh, was busted and, and, and taken down. And, um, and it really did sort of send a chill throughout the community. A lot of libertarians were upset, of course, uh, that, uh, you know, whom they consider an ideal of, of, of free market kind of, you know, protest uh, had actually violated the non-aggression principle and was engaging possibly in, 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 in threatening people and, and putting out hits on people that were innocent. So this really uh, tainted the reputation of, of Ross, but up to this point, there has been no evidence that there was any murder charges, um, that there has been no actual, sorry, that there were any murder attempts or even murders. There has been no, uh, there has been no charge um, of murder on, on Ross. I believe there's one in, in 
in another state that is going to be prosecuted, but there's no there's not much uh, information that I could find on that. So, I mean, from from what we can, I can tell, um, it's all smoke and mirrors, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why they might want to do that, which we will definitely uh, touch on. That that's one of the main biases, right? Uh, as far as the witness list, it just gives them about three days to prepare their defense based on the witnesses the prosecution is going to bring forth. The second, the second side of, of things is, um, you know, some people have complained that the the jury selection has been biased. That a lot of the jury um, that are that are being the selected jury, they're not really people that understand the internet or that don't really understand blockchains or technology. They're not young developers, right? And so, I mean, it's going to be this is really a generational war in some ways, and. Um, and that's going to make things difficult as well. That said, the defense does have an excellent, uh, an excellent case. Uh, one of the most interesting and, and controversial things that came out of this the last three days of the trial has been that uh, the FBI, I'm pretty sure it's the FBI, but I could run about that. They're all the same thing, more or less. But um, they were they were actually following. Um, they, they believed for about two years that that, that Mark Carpellas you know, the, the CEO of MT Gox, out of all people, was the one that was uh, was Dread Pirate Roberts. And to the point where they they, um, they, they, uh, they, they, they came up to Google and were like, listen, give, give us the logs, the logs of his Gmail, I believe that's called a subpoena or something like that. Again, I'm not a, not a legal expert, uh, but, um, but this happened, and you can look at Apple Post links at the bottom uh, on the post and, you know, and, um, and so they really believe that it was Mark Herpelis. And, uh, you know, so the defense is right now raising, uh, it appears that they're trying to raise reasonable doubt and, uh, and say that, hey, you know what, you know, Ross indeed, indeed they create um, the Silk Road uh, platform, but he actually passed it off to somebody else. And right now they're talking about Mark Pellas. I have a feeling that there might be another possible Dread Pirate Roberts because I just don't. It just doesn't. I don't know. I don't. I don't believe that. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that Mark was uh, was uh, the person behind this really passionate anarcho-capitalist libertarian post on the Silk Road forums. But then again, I don't know Mark personally, so I could be wrong about that. We'll we'll have to see what happens. But um, yeah, this is. A, I mean, if if this was a movie, it would be a fantastic movie. I have to say. And uh, I'm sure there'll be movies made out of it, uh, as horrendous as it is for for anybody that's been caught in this machine of of, of the war on drugs and uh, and the legal system, quote unquote, and the justice, quote unquote, system. Well, I, I hope that. Uh, Let's see, I believe I those were the, the, the main. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I hope Mar I hope Ross can get uh, Brad Pitt to play his part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, uh, there's, there's gonna be movies and it's gonna be fantastic. It's, you know, feel free to jump in there. I think I did, that's what I wanted to cover for now as far as the trial. Um, yeah, there are so many things wrong with this trial. You've, you've touched on some of the big ones, but we could really talk for hours about it. One, I'll just point out one uh, other issue because it's very big and that's the issue with Rossi's protections. Um, that's the amendment to the US Constitution that requires uh, a warrant for going through your stuff. And the FBI had 
one story before the trial began about how they found Silk Road servers. It's technical, so I won't go into details, but uh, there was a, a CAPTCHA, it's called, uh, where you, I think most people who have used the web have used one of these at some point. It's where you look at distorted letters and you have to type those letters into a box to get access to a website. And the FBI claimed that a glitch on the part of Silk Road administrators led them to the servers in Iceland. So they said this, and then when people who know better pointed out that that story was bullshit, the FBI shut up about it. Now the trial has begun. The FBI now has a different story of how they found the servers. Now, the problem with this is that they have lied about how they found the servers. That tells me that they found them through an illegal method. Most likely, this is my guess, most likely the NSA helped them. The NSA, of course, is not supposed to spy on U.S. citizens. And it is, it's, I think, well known that the NSA shares information on U.S. citizens with the FBI and with the DEA with the stipulation that the FBI and the DEA use that information but lie about the source in court. I think the FBI did that. If they did that, that means the search for those servers was illegal, and that means that none of the evidence produced by those searches can be brought out for it. So I think they're lying. I think they obtained their evidence illegally and they, there should not even be a court case. That is very worrying. It should, it should be worrying for any U.S. citizen to know that their Fourth Amendment protections are pretty much void. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, anybody that's not really aware of the, you know, I hate to say it, but the growing police state that we're... That we're um, that the United States is really turning into, I think, um, I think they're kind of ignoring the facts. And, you know, this, this kind of brings, brings to my attention, you know, I think, uh, say James JL77 for being anonymous and, uh, and, you know, actually not really talking about how Satoshi Nakamoto was anonymous, but I think this really does highlight the value of anonymity in a world where injustice has so much power and where, where people can get away with such terrible, terrible things and where developers can can be caught up in this machine that will suck away their life and their resources, you know, without anything they can do about it or much at all, without, you know, and, 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 and it can happen to, to anybody. So, I mean, if you, if you, the anonymity is really the only way that we can protect ourselves from this if you're doing anything that really matters and it's really kind of, 
you know, challenging the status quo, or, or even if you, even if you're not, you might want to be careful, anyways, because if they if they have a good reason, if the NSA or or the FBI or anybody with that kind of power has any good reason to come after you, they can do it. And uh, so it's better to try to protect yourself uh, if not possible. Go ahead. Yeah, I I agree. You can you can see the effect that that fear is having as more and more developers do their work anonymously. And it's, it's a very sad statement to make, but you're right. We are living in, effectively, a police state. It's been getting worse since 9-11. And you can sense, there's almost a palpable sense of fear among crypto developers, people who are doing something that is really on the cutting edge of computer science and they worry that by writing code meant to help people and to liberate them they themselves could end up in a cage getting raped for the rest of their lives yeah absolutely and um i mean that is that is the stakes of the game i think um I think even though it is getting more difficult and it's likely going to get worse, I mean, this, this trial does, it is very important because it would give, it would give, um, it would give the state just more power, right? And, and, and a precedent as I said at the beginning of, of this segment that uh, it would give them the power to, to threaten developers with some serious jail time if Ross does not um, overcome it. The defense does look good, so I really hope that that he succeeds and, and, and beats the, the trial. But um, either way, you know, my sympathies go out to them. Um, I think, um, yeah, this is, this is gonna be a very important trial. And, you know, the stuff that, that we're, the, the cryptocurrency community is building is, um, is really essential to liberating people from from the power of just the, all the corruption that is in the financial system. That's a whole other topic, but um, you know, I'll just I'll just look at that for now. I think uh, we're going to we're going to have a short mission. We're going to have a song and uh, for the last segment of the show. Is there anything else you'd like to to mention before we we take a break? No, I think I'll wait until we come back. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for for staying tuned, and uh, we'll we'll be right back. This is Sunnet Radio. Crosses. 
Some of those that work forces Draw the same that burn crosses Now you do what they told ya. 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 Now you do what they told ya.
thank you everybody for um, staying tuned. Uh, I apologize for the technical difficulties, but we are we are back and um, and ready to take on the last segment of the show today. Uh, we want to discuss the ethical um, foundations of the war on drugs and uh, and uh, you know the, the the laundering of money and a lot of the 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 talk that has influenced cryptocurrency regulation and uh, and law enforcement so heavily and uh, which very much is uh, fueling this trial uh, which uh, I think is uh, very morally questionable and um, and uh, and so I mean in some in some ways appalling. So first of all, I wanna I wanna talk about the one of the the, the heaviest topics, particularly about the Silk Road, uh, and one of the criticisms that I, that have been made, I believe, are is that uh, you know you're selling drugs, right? And sometimes you're selling very heavy and very addicting drugs to, to minors or to even adults that are just getting hooked on this thing, and uh, you know. But, that happens anyways, and um, the government can't even keep these drugs out of jails, so out of prison. So if you know, if the whole state, the whole country was prison, they still couldn't do it. So uh, you know, that's one of the problems with that argument. The second is that um, addiction seems to be a problem um, that is found that that is has very little to do with with economics and with the exchange of goods. So. Uh, it's it's more of a psychological problem, as I'm sure you've guessed. And, and just to, in case you, you know, for those that don't know me, I'm actually studied psychology for about six years. I have a degree in in, in social work and in, in addictions uh, counseling. So I've I've studied this to some degree. And and um, the general, um, well, depends who you ask. Really, there's a lot of controversy around this, but uh, the science seems to to uh, be very very strong on the side that uh, addiction is the effect of of child abuse and uh, this can be from primary caregivers to extended family um, there is a there is a an excellent uh, psychologist in Vancouver I believe that's been doing work for over 20 years with uh, addictions so people that are you know heavy into heroin drug use and, and other you know other other um, you know very sad kind of um, you know, mental health issues, and um, and he's he's confident that uh, most of it is you know almost everybody that gets involved in that lifestyle and that have their lives ruined by drug use are um, are actually self, essentially self-medicating a childhood trauma, and uh, you know we're talking about very extreme addictions. I think um, I think um, you know so so I mean you know one one definition of addiction that he that he talks about is the, what he believes, Gabor Mate believes addiction is, is when you do something compulsively and part of you believes that you have a, like, you shouldn't do it, you know, like there's constant ambivalence and you shouldn't do it and you have a problem with it and, uh, you know, you you, you want to stop but you can't. That That's an addiction essentially. So um, to what degree harms your life, you know, it's, it's a wide range, but... Um, but this has very little to do with the supply of drugs. You know, um, all you can, all, you know, if you if you if you manage to cut the, the supply of cocaine and heroin into the United States, that would just raise the price. 
because the demand and uh, whatever psychological drivers there are for drug use, whether it's simply recreational and the experiencing of of of, of new sort of consciousness, you know, that's perspectives and uh, a lot of the very interesting psychedelic um, things that can happen, right? I mean, people can go on some amazing trips and some people report having enlightenment um, scenarios and, and, and have it improve their lives for better. Um, you know, anybody, you know, this band would still be there. And um, regardless of whether the supply gets controlled and limited, they would just raise the price for this and people would try to find a way. It also when you raise the price and raise the stakes and make it more difficult for people to sell drugs, it attracts people that are, that are much more um, risk uh, tolerant and also argue, you know, possibly, uh, this seems to be how, how it works, you know, just less empathetic people, right? So it, it, you know, when it becomes so profitable to, to get somebody hooked on a really heavy drug like, like, uh, like crack cocaine or, or heroin, then uh, and it's it's much more. There's a much bigger incentive to maybe you know give out free samples or try to find other ways to to get people hooked because then there's a pretty steady flow of, of pretty but substantial money that will be coming in from from uh, uh, from junkies and you know so that's something really to to point out and this is not to say that everybody that does that that has done drugs is a junkie uh there's actually the vast majority of people or at least well i don't know about the vast majority but there's a lot of people that you know do them once and they're fine it seems to be that, that there's one case study where uh, i believe uh, and i'm paraphrasing here but i believe that soldiers when they went to vietnam there's actually a lot of heroin use and, and alcoholism alcohol uh, use in in the vietnam war for American soldiers and uh, a large majority of them, when they came back from Vietnam, they actually stopped using heroin and they went on with their lives, right? And, and heroin is believed to and is claimed to be, uh, you know, one of the most addicting drugs in the market, and that's why it's illegal and and all this stuff. But uh, it seems that uh, very few people actually maintain the addiction. And um, I'm not sure this is touched on. On I, I believe I remember the the research study saying, and I'll put it on the links uh, that. Um, that they both that they continue did indeed have a pretty pretty uh, terrifying childhood. So that's just something to to keep in mind when somebody brings up this addiction problem. Uh, you know, the market is is meeting meeting the demand, and, and the drive for this demand is is a social problem that uh, that is not being healed. In fact, it's being uh, harmed by it's being it's being added upon and being heavy. You know. Jesus, I lost lose my words there. It's being made worse by um, by the legal prosec- uh, the legal action that, that you know, governments are taking around the world. Uh, it also speaks, you know, the fact that the war on drugs is still so strong speaks terribly of the democratic system. I mean, in Canada, vast majority of people that I've ever met have smoked weed and are pro weed and smoke weed on a regular basis. Basis, it's still illegal to sell it, and it's uh, you know, if if you get caught with more than like you know a few grams, you're gonna get trouble from the cops. And you might end up going going to prison, and I mean it's it's uh, it's terrible that uh, this is the state of the world. But it is such a big machine. Um, I believe uh, it's something like three billion dollar uh, a year are spent in the United States fueling the the war on drugs, and uh, so that is a lot of people that are dependent on this money. Um, a lot of state workers that are dependent on the money that 
flows through the war on drugs. And so there's, you know, it really isn't, you know, aligned with the interests of of people that work for the, you know, police uh, police officers and, uh, and and lawyers that specialize in this kind of uh, industry. It really isn't in their interest to, to legalize drugs. It's also another argument that I've heard is that it's actually very dangerous for a politician to try to legalize drugs because uh, drug cartels and, 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 and mafias, you know, South America, but uh, everywhere else, uh, they, they have a lot of money and they have a lot of power. And it's, you know, if they, if they go try to legalize drugs, then it's going to put it outside of their reach, uh, sort of like platforms like Soul Growth we're doing and sort of like uh, decentralized markets like the free market might do, uh, where they provide an escrow system and they provide, you know, safer ways to to exchange goods and the goods with, with buyers and sellers. And you have a reputation system and you don't have to you know, risk your life and, yeah, and, and, and go meet in a dark alley with some, with some uh, drug dealer, um, you can just, uh, you know, send some, send some, some, uh, some coins online and, um, and you'll get your, your, your weed delivered or whatever it is you want to buy, you'll get it delivered. Then you don't have to risk your health and your safety for, for that. And so, I mean, this is one of the, another reason why this technology is very, very revolutionary. And uh, another reason why anonymity for developers and people that are very involved with this that are essential to the progress of the technology is very important, I think. Uh, certainly just because you're anonymous does not mean that you are trustworthy or untrustworthy. You know, that, that's, that's something that should be judged based on merit. And, um, you know, I think Satoshi and, 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 uh, has proved that and James is proving it as well. So um, James Lee uh, from the Supernet. And a lot of other developers like uh, Mr. Knuckle, who are putting out legit code that is um, that is functional, and they don't really need to have their identity attached to to their credibility. Uh, you can build a reputation on top of on top of uh, pseudonyms. So, so that's that's the speech that I guess I wanted to give. I think um, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about as far as the war on drugs, um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to give you the floor. If you, I'm sure you have a lot of stuff, a lot of thoughts about uh, about this topic, Mr. Knuckle. Oh, certainly. Um, like you, I could I could speak about the war on drugs for a very long time. Uh, so I won't. Um, I will just say that I think you're right. People are starting to people are starting to realize that the the war on drugs is is a colossal failure, or I should say, the war on some drugs, since uh, alcohol and tobacco and mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals remain legal, and some of the drugs that are prohibited now have been uh, perfectly legal in the past. Um, I I was happy to hear uh, that you raised a point that I think a lot of people aren't aware of which is the fact that the cartels, who of course are demonized in American media, like the war on drugs. That keeps them rolling in cash. Uh, prohibition, uh, no matter what you think of drugs, strictly from an economic point of view, prohibition doesn't work. In fact, it usually has unintended consequences that are the opposite 
of what the policy is supposed to do. It drives up the price of the product, as you said, drawing in, attracting a, a bad element. It creates violence because the business is illegal, so the people who practice it are not able to avail themselves of legal remedies to contract disputes. One drug dealer can't sue another, so he has to shoot him. Uh, the war on drugs is, is a complete disaster, but I don't think it will go away anytime soon because in addition to the cartels, law enforcement benefits greatly from the war on drugs. They get money for shiny tanks and guns and toys. Uh, they get to take people's property without even charging them through civil asset forfeiture, which is a topic oh, for man. another time. Um, and politicians can't change it because they're under the thumb of police unions and, of course, voters who don't pay attention to the sometimes subtle and nuanced facts of, of economics just want to hear, I am tough on crime. Uh, so I don't see it changing anytime soon. But like you, I think technologies like free market can help to improve the situation. Uh, I don't have the reference in front of me, but there has been at least one academic study that uh, claimed that Silk Road lowered violence, uh, lowered violent crime, because it took drug dealing out of an untrusted environment where people could rip you off and maybe shoot you if they didn't uh, get their money and put it into an environment where there was escrow, payment was done at a distance, um, people didn't have face-to-face -face contact. Uh, you've got technology that possibly actually lowered violent crime and we've got the state, which claims to be protecting people, doing everything in its power to shut that down. So that's unfortunate, but I do hope that uh, advances in technology, like the way that free market uses the blockchain, will keep the state from doing that again. Yes, and I believe... Uh you know, free market and, and even the Silk Road have uh, pretty effective reputation systems along the lines of well, the free market will will be having will have a reputation system like this, and and the Silk Road had one which is very much along the lines of of the, the of what eBay uses or Amazon uses, where now instead of you having sort of having the phone number of some guy that uh, your friend knows that apparently can get you some special weed or that uh, that funky psychedelic 
instead of sort of having to go through those channels and man, I mean, I don't know, I've tried and it's really hard to get some good quality uh, psychedelics or so, you know, I'm told. And, uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's very complex. Uh, whereas, you know, and it doesn't, you know, whereas with, uh, with something like Silk Road, now you have a, you know, 20 different suppliers competing with each other to provide the best quality. This is what you want, you know? I mean, when, when your success as a, as a tradesman, as a salesman depends on the quality of your product, then your incentives are to make sure that people are not harmed by, by your product, make sure people have the best experience with it. And, um, you know, I mean, you could argue that it gets them hooked, but as I saw, as I talked about, addictions that are problematic and consistent that are really not the, the, the evidence there that they are that they depend on the drug that much themselves but it's really more uh, a psychological mental health issue so i mean you you really can only improve it with this kind of technology and by putting it into a free market and the the beautiful thing about blockchain technology is and this is really why i'm passionate about this this and why i'm doing what i'm doing is because because you don't really need to, we, we don't we don't need, need to wait for the approval of the majority. We don't need to wait for the approval of, of government and and for the approval of of, of uh, cartels, which is never going to come. Or you know, we could die waiting. We are basically creating the solutions and putting the options in the hands of people. And uh, I say we, as if I've been doing much. I'm basically talking about it. But uh, you know, developers are creating this and. And I, and I I count myself in as part of this community and 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 we're we're basically bypassing all of that and 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 I think that's going to be a very powerful shift and and you know I hope that people will you know will just sort of realize that it's okay and it's safe and 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 you can you can use this and you'll be okay and it's a better alternative and you know as long as I mean some people are going to get burned in the process and you know everybody should really take care of themselves and be careful but you know uh, they're you know the, the powers that be are not going to go down without a fight i think that's that's fair to expect and anybody that anybody that disagrees with that i think they might be on the naive but that will you know i mean i think um we'll see how, how things develop um also, I just I wanted to point out as well that uh, yeah, I mean I believe uh, alcohol and tobacco are are um, like they're one of the main lobby funder funders for um, you know against uh, the legalization of, of drugs. I, I I heard that quote roughly, and uh, maybe I'm wrong, so don't don't you know don't hold me to it. But uh, there's they're they're definitely involved. Um, also, pharmacological pharmaceutical corporations are selling are basically feeding uh, legal drugs to people on a regular basis and they're actually feeding it to children as well you know ADHD drugs and all that stuff have some they can have some pretty nasty effects they've been associated with uh, with um, with um, you know suicidal fantasies and, uh, and murder sort of fantasies so I mean it's uh, it's it, this there's a lot of hypocrisy in this narrative and so I just want to sort of touch on all this people are going to be like what the hell is this talking about I'll put links below them you know we, we're almost done with the show thank you for your patience is there anything else that uh, I'd want to touch on before before we, we, we finish up well let me just thank you for having me here it, it's been a pleasure to speak with you and uh, and about this subject because it's something that 
uh, I think is very important. Um, I do want to say that uh, because we were discussing Ross Ulbricht's trial, we we spoke a lot about about uh, markets like free market being used for drugs. I just want to point out that our target, our goal, is not to replace Silk Road. Our goal is to replace eBay. Um, so anybody who's listening out there and wants to be a part of that, uh, dig up those ugly sweaters you got for Christmas and download Free Market and uh, put them up there for sale. And good luck. Excellent. Thank you very much, Pete. It was a pleasure talking to you. And it was an excellent conversation. I think um, I had a lot of fun. Um, thank you, everybody that's been listening. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we could talk about. And I hope you enjoyed it. If, if you're interested in, in, in us discussing uh, um, this topic more or, or, or me bringing in other guests, and then uh, definitely let me know through Twitter and, and, and Facebook. Or uh, and um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I hope uh, I hope this was useful to you. Um, you know, there, there definitely will be a tip, uh, some tip accounts uh, addresses on, on on the on the post when this is available for podcast. So if, if you got a lot of value out of it, um, then feel free to give us a tip and that will distribute it uh, among the radio participants. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. And you have a great day.